And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boagenes, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home and the crowds gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside, seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Uh, good morning. So they're going to mute me at 10 to 12. So there's the good news for you. The bad news is I'll just keep on going anyway. <laughs> I was helped by uh, this morning being reminded that my heart needs to be constantly retuned as an acoustic uh, guitar needs to be retuned. Spiritually, my heart is often out of kilter. And uh, coming together to be like this is one of those disciplines, I think, that help us just retune our hearts. And also, also helped by the fact that it's all about God's Word. It's not about flawed human beings, though we are involved with what God is doing. Uh, we are flawed human beings, aren't we? But the Word of God, He has promised to use and he will use it again today in each of our lives. King Jesus protecting his truth and defeating the evil lie. That's really where we are now in Mark chapter 3. Uh, 
And so I need to ask a question as I start this morning. Is Jesus the King who rules in love over everything good news or bad news? Well, Mark is very clear that Jesus, the Son of God, is good news. He says so in chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And gospel, as you know, means literally good news. Uh, Jesus the King is good news because he himself lived, ruled by God and the doing of God's will. That's why in chapter 1 we see that Satan tried to rule Jesus so that he disobeyed God like Adam did in Genesis chapter 3. Look at chapter 1 just briefly, verse 12 and 13. The Spirit immediately drove him, Jesus, out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Jesus is good news to us this, today. He's the king because he has, he has lived totally differently from any human being who's ever existed in this world. Jesus the king, who rules everything, was Jesus the man ruled by God in everything when he lived on this earth. And no human being has done that. Jesus is good news then for people to in his day. The paralyzed man in chapter 2 certainly discovered that Jesus was good news, didn't he? Not only did he have the miracle of walking, he had the miracle of being eternally forgiven of all his sin. And yet if we're honest about where Mark is going in these opening chapters... We discover that Jesus is bad news for others. The evil demons who know who Jesus is, know that he's the Holy One, chapter 3, verse 11, hate him. The Pharisees, in chapter 3, really do believe that Jesus is bad news. He's forgiving people of their sins. He's healing people on the Sabbath. And they're plotting now, chapter 3, verse 6, to destroy him. Bad news. Because for the Pharisees, they're trying to earn God's forgiving love by their strict rule-keeping. And they're discovering that Jesus is saying, that's not the way. I give you forgiveness. I give you a relationship with God. I give you eternal life. Well, self-righteousness can't cope with that. And so Jesus is bad news. So here's the question this morning that has to come to us all. Is Jesus the King good news or bad news in our world today? And even more important, is Jesus the King good news or bad news for us in this room? For he's one or the other. He's either good news today or he's bad news. He's not just news. 
We can't live in the sense, well, I'm just indifferent to Jesus. Because actually, when we say that we're indifferent to Jesus, we're actually saying we're not indifferent to Jesus. We're against Jesus. Good news. Bad news. Three points. Number one, Jesus assembled his truth team in verses 13 to 21. There are two teams working in this passage. There is Team Truth, led by King Jesus and his followers, who share the good news of his saving rule to everybody. And then there is Team Lie, led by Satan and his, de- and his demons, who deceive people to stay away from Jesus. And let's be clear, in a world that is is indeed sad and violent, we need to recognize that Team Truth is still with us today in this room, and Team Lie will also be operating in this room, never mind in this city. We need to understand that. Team Lie is always working to destroy the good news about Jesus and particularly destroy the truth of his identity. So we need to be able to spot the lie and know the truth. We must know the difference. Check your Bible. The Bible tells us who Jesus is, and the truth about him. The Bible also tells us the kind of lies that are used against Jesus to persuade people to stay away from Jesus. Jesus knew that he had to protect the truth about himself. He knew he had to do that. And so he goes up a mountain in chapter 3, verses 13 to 21. And as the king, he assembles his truth team. Twelve disciples who were already following him have to come to him. He summons them for a serious purpose. They had to go out and tell his truth to the world. The world is that, verse 14, he appointed these twelve. It was his will for them. He expected them to carry it out. It wasn't an option. They couldn't say, well, I'm not feeling like it. I don't fancy it, and so I'm not going to do it. Jesus is the king. He's appointing. And they're now given a new title. They're called apostles. Apostle simply means a sent one by Jesus to teach him correctly for all time to the church and thus to the nations. It's a bit of a sentence. To teach Jesus correctly for all time, including today in Egbeth Community Church, we're hearing Team Truth, we're hearing the apostles, because we have the New Testament And through us, the good news will go out to the nations, including the nation we live in. So what did this role include? It's important for us to understand it. 
if Jesus is to be good news for us today. Well, as apostles, verse 14, they were to be with him. Now, this was a very serious responsibility because what they were to do was to witness everything important about Jesus. You see, Jesus is assembling his truth team. And the truth is all about him. And we weren't there. So we didn't see all this stuff. So we need to have a reliable record about Jesus. And these were the men. My word. I'm having the effect upon paper. These were the men who would have to write down this reliable record so we have it today. So they had to hear Jesus' teaching at all times with no time off. Whether he was up a hill teaching, whether he was in a boat teaching, whether they were just sitting quietly with him, they had to hear his teaching. They had to witness his miracles. They'd seen the paralyzed man walking unforgiven. They would see the storm stilled, the 5,000 fed with five loaves and two fishes. They had to see his power over evil as he overcame the temptations that came into his own life and how he delivered people from demons. They had to see his life, and they did see his life. Three years of examining this man, of perfect obedience to the Father, never once disobedient. No flaw. His death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven where he now reigns forever, the sending of the Spirit, and at least they needed to hear his promised return. This is the good news. This has been witnessed. Team Truth has written. So repent and believe the truth. Jesus is good news. All of this is amazing news in a world as we are now experiencing that is very far from good news. The truth is speaking this morning to all of us in the room, and we have a responsibility, as we will hear by the end, of how we respond, not to me, okay? You may or may not like my personality, but that's not the point, is it? The point is, you are responding to Jesus, and either he's good news for you today, or he's bad news to you. So the apostles were sent out to the nations. They started with the Jews, as we would discover, uh, as Mark unfolds his, his gospel, and then they would go to all the nations. The truth from Jesus and about Jesus is to be taken out. And Team Lie, who opposes Team Truth, cannot stop it. <laughs> and we can say hallelujah for that today. Because as we sit in this room, many of us are passionate followers of Jesus, 
We heard the good news about Jesus, and we have submitted to him as our king, and team lie has lost, at least lost us. That's good news, isn't it? Well, for some of us. All because the apostles were sent out. And the church has been going out ever since and taking the good news about Jesus and his kingship to the world. If you look at Team Truth from verse 16 onwards, they're all named. They're a flawed group. Um, they're given their nicknames, some of them, aren't they? Uh, John and James obviously had anger issues, didn't they? The sons of thunder. They actually wanted to call down fire on a particular city once. Uh, Jesus wouldn't allow that to happen. They really did have anger issues, didn't they? You wouldn't put them on your team. Pete, Simon Peter, well, he had instability issues, didn't he, you know? And then there was the political Simon the Zealot. <laughs> I think we can kind of hazard a guess about what kind of guy he was. See, it was a team that didn't point to themselves. It was a team that pointed away from themselves. Pointed to the king. See, this isn't a design fault. This was built into the team so that everybody looking at the team would say, well, how on earth are they winning? How on earth are they living like this? And who would have the audacity to use such a team? And so as we experience our flaws as God's people, you see flawed people at the front. Well, at least this one is. And there's flawed people doing things in their teams within the church. You say, well, really? Who thought that up? But it's not a design fault. It's part of the way Jesus says to a broken, flawed world, look what I do by my grace. Yeah, let's take seriously that we are in a world that is doing bad things to each other. When we come to church, when we come to the community of Jesus, King Jesus, then it should be something entirely different, shouldn't he? We shouldn't hurt each other with our words and our actions. Indeed, we should reach out in compassion to one another because we are loved and dearly loved people by Jesus. Well, the truth is opposed, and humans try to take it down as false. In verses 20 to 21, we discover the people who knew Jesus best sadly came to the conclusion that he was mad, that he needed to be locked away in a room for his well-being and public safety. Jesus was a man with mental health issues and devoid of reality. Mad. Mad. 
And Team Lie was even using this family, maybe with all its sincerity, to take Jesus out of the public domain and make sure that his voice is silenced from within the culture. They fail, of course, because Jesus is the king. Carolyn Weber was a Canadian agnostic woman who studied for a doctorate in Romantic Literature in Oxford University in 1994. In coming to Oxford, she encountered followers of Jesus who engaged in conversations with her about Jesus. This was a surprising turn of events for her, and she was resistant to all of it, as her intellectual approach did not include Jesus at all. But during one conversation, Carolyn was challenged to read the Bible for herself. She had never done so, of course. Well, what was she to do? She refused to buy a Bible because that was an act of commitment. So she went to St. Mary's Church opposite her college to read one of theirs for free. In the back pew with a coffee, feet on the cushion, she started to read the Bible. Well, she's a literature buff, and she said, well, I'm going to start at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, and I'm going to work my, all my way through Revelation. All those long lists, all those strange customs, all those judgments of God. And she came to the conclusion, under the power of truth, that this was God's word as no one could have made it up. Team Truth doing its work. It started a war in her heart as Team Lie got into action as well. They didn't want to lose her to Jesus. And the war really revolved around the fact that she knew who Jesus was by now, and that meant a commitment from her to him. And she discovered her heart didn't want to do it until the night she did. And Jesus became good news to her. Jesus has assembled a truth team. And the lie can't stop the truth from getting out. Whatever the lie says about Jesus. Point two. Jesus exposes the evil lie to establish his truth. When society wants to stop someone having a strong influence, then social media often spreads information that discredits them. The message is very clear. Stay away from them. We've already seen one form of cultural discrediting regarding Jesus. He's mad. Now a second prong of attack opens up. The religious leaders hold an official investigation into this truth ministry. The leaders were the cultural elite who guard the truth about God in their time from any lies. And they controlled the narrative. And they came to the conclusion that Jesus was Satan incarnate. Verse 22. He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. That's a reference to Satan. And then in verse 30, he has an unclean spirit. Verse 30. See, evil knows that Jesus is the Holy One. They know, they, it knows that he's the Son of God. 
but evil must discredit Jesus. And so something else must be said. And do you not realize it? In the world in which we live, in some form or other, there always has to be a taking down of Jesus. Carolyn Weber, whom I've mentioned, and her developing interest in Jesus, noticed that everybody seems to naturally oppose Jesus. Naturally oppose Jesus. Other religious figures are okay. Fanatical celebrity worship is fine. Stay away from Jesus. The great thing about studying the Bible and here I go, is that Jesus just cuts through all this nonsense. And it's so clear. And that's what he does in these verses. In verses 24 to 26, he says, the evil accusation makes no sense. It just doesn't make any sense. Satan working against himself. A divided house falls. A divided kingdom cannot be successful makes no sense. Isn't it great just to read the Bible and be given sense in our world? Isn't it Twain that said, Mark Twain that said, it, it's not the bits about the Bible uh, that, I, that I see, appear ambiguous that cause me concern. It's the bits that are so very clear to me that give me the greatest issues. It's true, isn't it? Oh, how I love and have come to love more and more the clarity of Scripture and realize that all ambiguity lies in me. The truth, Jesus says, actually in all of this is that he is winning, verse 27. He's a strong man plundering the kingdom of Satan and bringing a people out who were living under team lie, into the freedom of himself as king and team truth. Look around us this morning. <laughs> Do you not see the evidence that that's what has happened here in our own lives, many of our eyes, and at least anyway? King Jesus has plundered team lie and brought you and me out. And Satan has lost us. That's what's happening, my friends. That's the truth. Why are there millions of followers of Jesus in our world today? Jesus is plundering Satan's house or kingdom. That's what's going on. And finally, Jesus, the truth, warns us about staying away from him in verses 28 to 30. It's a serious warning. The word truly shows us that. But there's a happy reason in it. If we go wrong about Jesus and stay away from Jesus, then we will never experience his forgiveness and be brought to the wonder of God's love. After all, Jesus is the one who forgives sin. Chapter 2 tells you that. But in his day, the culture was saying, stay away from Jesus. He's evil. And they were closing their hearts to this good news. They were shutting the door on forgiveness. 
Well, we've got team truth now, and we've got all the truth in. It's been written down in the New Testament, completing the Bible. The Spirit of Truth, the Holy Spirit, has enabled these men to write it all down. And so if we side with Satan, rejecting Jesus as King, who is the only source of eternal forgiveness, then we will not be forgiven. And that matters eternally. Or if we believe and trust in the lie from Satan as the only truth about Jesus, it means that God will never forgive our sin. Either way, it amounts to the same thing. The issue is about forgiveness. Jesus truly uh, underlines to us, doesn't he, that the exposes the evil lie to establish his truth. And then finally, as we finish, Jesus creates an eternal family who do God's will, verses 31 to 35. The final verses here in chapter 3 give us a window into the success of team truth. Here we see a room in, well, Jesus' house, and he has a room full of people committed to hearing him, the truth, and following him by living under his kingship. And he calls them family. And the hallmark is they're not just listening to the truth, or they're not just discussing the truth, they're actually doing it. That's the key, isn't it? Now, Jesus loves the, his natural family, and he showed his love for his natural family in many ways. We've already noticed that his mother and brothers were coming to rescue him as a madman who needed saving from himself. And on reaching the house, they stay outside and do not join the committed on the inside. They send in a message expecting Jesus to stop teaching and come out to them. After all, natural family has top priority, doesn't it? I mean, to be a canard is everything. Uh, maybe not. And even to me, it's not everything either. It's something. It's important. But it's not everything. Jesus looks around the room. <laughs> I'd have loved to have been in the room when he did it. Here are my brothers and my mother. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. I don't know what your experience of family life is like. I can't comment on that. But I want you to know that there is an eternal family for married, divorced, single, male, female, whatever culture, there is an eternal family. I remember standing uh, on top of Steep Hill in Lincoln, and I was minding my own business, but there was a woman with her, with obviously with some members of her family, and, and, and she exclaimed, I can still hear it in my head now, Oh, I wish this family could last forever. I can't say that about the Kinnaird family. But I'm part of an eternal family, and so are you if you follow the Lord Jesus as king.
If we believe, Team Lai, then we stay outside of Jesus and away from his family, and we do not do God's will. That will be the hallmark of our lives. If we believe Team Truth, then we will obey the good news and join the family that is eternal. And the characteristic of the family is that we do the will of God like our King, who is Jesus. The first step in the will of God, in doing the will of God, is to trust Jesus for salvation. Maybe you've got to do that this morning for the very first time in your life. You're going to take that step. Jesus, the King, will save you and rule you forever. Repent and believe the good news. Stop believing that this is bad news. Stop believing that this is going to wreck your life. This is life. And the second and final step is to follow him as Lord by learning loyalty to him as king and discovering that this is freedom, discovering that this is love, discovering that this is happiness. And that to live the lie ultimately brings us to death. Join the team. I finish with this story. The success of King Jesus in helping us join his family that is eternal. Here we go. comes from my own life. It is a timeless truth, though there are some quirky elements, because I'm that kind of guy. For the first 11 years of my life, I was not a follower of Jesus, and my parents were not followers of Jesus. At the age of 11, my parents, is the key, became passionate followers of Jesus. I use the word passionate. I was not a happy boy. I had to go to church now, and it was a very long service with very long prayers and very ancient hymns and extremely long sermons. I should have been doing my football skills, which I had invented for myself, because I spent four hours on a Sunday morning football skilling myself, because I wanted to be a professional footballer and play for whoever I wanted to play for all. I was not a happy man, boy. I'm not reading back into my life now. But worse was to happen. Every Sunday evening, for a short time, and it was only a short time, my parents would read from the Bible, full of these and nows. I hated it. What had my family come to? What was this all about? And worse, we had to kneel down beside a big green sofa and we had to pray. Well, they prayed, we didn't. Short prayer, it wasn't long. And at that point, I hated Jesus the most. You have to be honest about that. Jesus will be bad news to us.
But I also knew something else. My parents were so happy. And Jesus had made them happy. And as I looked at their lives, I couldn't argue with the fact that when they prayed and they read the Bible and they went to church and they did other things, they weren't perfect, but here were a couple that were happy even though they suffered various things. And so at the green sofa, one Sunday night, isn't it interesting? I find this very interesting. Sorry, you may not. The point of my greatest unhappiness with Jesus, siding with Team Lie, Jesus equals unhappiness. The Lord began to deal with my heart. And in ten minutes after that time had finished, I'd gone to my bedside and I'd asked the Lord Jesus into my life. I joined Team Truth and Satan lost. I didn't know that at the time. And I remember the happiness that entered my heart. I was invaded by the King. I've not always been happy. I've had issues. I've had struggles. I know that. But the happiness that came in with, because I had been invaded by the king told my mother the next morning. Because that's the reality. See, Jesus may make you unhappy this morning. He wants to rule your life. He wants to save your life. He wants to bring you into the family and be with him forever. You may think that's an unhappy news to hear this morning. But maybe your cross from that unhappiness, having been deceived by team lie to team truth, who tell you the truth, and it's good news. He's the king. And you win with the king. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your Son, the Lord Jesus, our, the King that you sent into this world. Thank you for the truth that you have preserved for us, that we may have a reliable record, and that we can turn away from being part of Team Lie, to be part of this Team Truth, to be part of an eternal family that lives forever and ever and never loses. Lord, if there is anyone unhappy this morning because of Jesus, I pray that you will begin to deal with their hearts, that they may see things entirely differently through the truth. And I pray for us, Lord, who do know you as King, even though we have a clash of wills from time to time, and we don't always want you to be King. We pray that we may repent and believe the good news, that you are king. We worship you together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.